And welcome back to the Tales from the Bay podcast. Larry Kruger and Ryan Smith as we look back at the Kansas City Chiefs in the 49er game um, last week. And, you know, Ryan, the 49ers entered the game with the top-ranked defense in football. The, they'd only been giving up 255 yards per game entering Sunday against Kansas City. And then Mahomes and company just torched the 49ers defense for 529 yards. 529. 29 yards, 423 in the air. Niners pass defense got absolutely crushed. Uh, 49ers allowed 9.1 yards per play, the most they allowed by a Niner defense going back to the mid-1960s. And as I said, 423 passing yards from Mahomes, the most surrendered since Kyle Shanahan became head coach of the 49ers. So the Niners offense... Uh, struggled in this in the game against Kansas City, but man, the defense just got absolutely crushed by Mahomes and company. Yeah, you know, I think immediately everyone is going to. There's a lot of talk about Jimmy and a lot of talk about Kyle and the offense. And you know what? It, it was fine. It was it was about what I expected. You know, 24 points. They really only punted one time. There's you know, and it was the result of a Jalen Moore hold on a field goal. The big thing is just that they were getting three instead of seven. And I'm kind of a guy that likes to just take the points, but that doesn't mean that, you know, it's excusable for them to just not score touchdowns in the red zone. And I think that luckily that's what Christian McCaffrey's here for. He's here to save the day on critical downs, third, third and short and in the red zone. And so I'm just hoping that that gets fixed going forward, but the defense is definitely, you know, we were saying, is this an all time defense? Heck, I still kind of think it is when everyone's healthy, but um, you know, the secondary being what it was this today and uh, just playing that soft zone. It's it, they looked from the press box. We both agree. I think that they looked like the slower defense than Kansas City. And that is just something I was not expecting. Yeah, I mean, the 49er defense, as I said, give up 9.1 yards per play. That's the second highest given up by an NFL team this season. And then you mix in the fact that the defense also committed eight very costly penalties. The combination of the penalties and the soft coverage um, really did it. And the 49ers, you know, it's in, in the NFL in 2022 on defense, it's a rush and cover game. You got to put some rush on the quarterback and you got to cover behind. And and the 49ers didn't do either. They didn't put a lot of rush on on Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he was sacked one time all day. I think he was hit twice all day. He left the field with a perfectly clean uniform. So they really didn't move him off his spot. They didn't put a lot of pressure on him. They didn't uh, force him to do anything out of the ordinary. And, and then the coverage really broke down. And it was one of those things that it was pretty good early on in the game. When they were playing man, they were mixing it up a little bit. But as the 49ers defense logged more and more plays on the field they just got more and more fatigued and the coverage got softer and softer and, and it became an easier thing for Mahomes to complete passes as the game wore on um, by the second late second half of that game I mean Mahomes could pretty much do anything he wanted to do so 49ers have to lick their wounds and and regroup quick because it's a quick turnaround for the Rams and I'd say overall you know for the 49ers they're three and four after seven games now they got a pivotal to Division game against the Rams. If they can win it in LA, they will have swept the Rams and they will be in a pretty good spot in the division uh, going forward. But um, it's a big if because, you know, it's the Rams are a physical team. It's going to be very difficult to beat them again in their place. Um, I expect Stafford and, and Cup and and the Rams to bounce back with a much stronger performance in this game than they showed in the first game at Levi's. Yeah, and it just back to the Chiefs game. I mean, to me, watching it back on film, Mahomes was just so phenomenal. He's so quick at getting the ball out. Even his ball fakes where it's like he he you can't see this like when you're just watching the game. When you're rewatching the all 22, like he hides the ball on these fake, you know, on these play action plays. He just it felt almost like the Golden State Warriors. They even though when they come up against a good team, sometimes just they Steph gets hot. Patrick Mahomes got hot. And he kind of broke the will of this defense on those three massive third down conversions, um, all critical points of the game. And the defense just could not make a play when it mattered. And it was very reminiscent of the painful uh, third and 15 huck up to Tyreek Hill. Uh, he just kind of did that three different times. And I think 
they kind of just ran into John Wick this week. Um, I thought that was the best Mahomes performance I've seen. And honestly, maybe this, if you include this, this season and last season, I think that that's the best Mahomes has looked. So I don't, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough to really be that critical. Well, I mean, and in this 49er defense did not have Eric Armstead. I mean, the Niners haven't allowed an opponent to go for 100 yards on the ground in 15 consecutive games when Armstead is in there. But, man, this season their opponents have already gained over 100 yards on the ground in three of the four games that Armstead has not been on the field. So he's a pivotal guy up front, and he wasn't there. Then on the backside, you had Jimmy Ward running around with the club. You had Charvarius Ward gutting it out with a groin pull. And they just weren't that effective. I mean, um, they, you know, in 12 targets against those two defensive backs, the Chiefs um, had 12 catches. You know, they were 12 for 12, 146 yards allowed, 56 yards after the catch, mixing a couple penalties. And the Ward duo really was not great in this game. So, you know, the 49ers need to turn it around. Um, Kansas City is a unique animal because Kansas City just has so much talent. And Mahomes, you know, Mahomes is is the best quarterback going. Reed is the best offensive play caller going. Uh, they're in great. And in great rhythm, they had lost to Buffalo the week before, so they were really fired up. Uh, and they were trying to bounce back, and they found a 49er defense that was a little depleted because of injuries. And, um, you know, they just warm out. They absolutely warm out. McCole Hardman was fantastic. Uh, the 49ers couldn't cover Kelsey. They really couldn't stop the run. Um, every chief back went for at least five and a half yards of carry. So it was a, it was a collective, you know, it's not like you can say, Hey, this guy blew it. That guy blew it. The entire defense uh, just got outclassed by Kansas city's offensive unit. Absolutely. And just uh, before we go to uh, a great interview with uh, Nicholas McGee, our guy at Gridiron, uh, who who has a great piece this week on, or this month coming out on Talanoa Hufanga. Uh, my last thought on this game is just, you know, the Niners are lucky that the Bills and the Chiefs uh, are are not in the NFC, and you just kind of got to be like, look, I mean, if this was the Ra- if somehow this was like a team in division, I'd be way more concerned. There's definitely is a concern about the Niners being able to come back in games and not win games when they have the lead. But luckily, there's not really any other team. Even the Eagles seem like they just play in front. So it, there's not any other team that is going to be so unbelievable offensively in the NFC that uh, the Niners aren't going to be able to catch up. So ultimately, I do kind of feel like it's all right to relax and kind of put this one behind them. I think it's a good point. I mean, uh, Philly did get Robert Quinn late this week. So Robert Quinn, another defensive end who's had an 18 and a half sack season. So Philly gets a little bit more dangerous up front. But yeah, I think if you really look at the NFL and your objective, Kansas City and Buffalo are in a category all their own. And um, you just have to you just have to accept it for what it is. And hopefully the 49ers can get healthier on defense, um, get in better sync on offense. was their first game with Christian McCaffrey. And if the Fort, the 49ers would love to run into Kansas City again, because that means it will be Super Bowl Sunday in Glendale, Arizona, uh, with the, uh, you know, with the six Lombardi on the line. So, um, you know, hopefully we'll see it. It didn't look like we'll see it, but uh, you never know. And the 49ers were kind of in this position a year ago. They had to run, run the table. Uh, they may wind up in that same position in this season where they're going to have to run the table and really be perfect down the stretch. But as far as Sunday was concerned, a very one-sided chief affair all right nicholas mcgee caught up with nicholas mcgee really interesting writer for the gridiron did a phenomenal piece this week on talanoa hufanga and uh you know there's been good and bad with hufanga he's missed a lot of tackles but man he has made an incredible number of plays and he has evolved from a fifth round draft choice special teamer in one year to a near pro bowl strong safety who just is showing an uncanny ability to to crush the run uh sneaking up on the uh, in the box in the cover three uh, against the running back. You know, he's just attacking that mesh point and just being an absolute force. So very interested to talk to Nicholas McGee, and we'll let you hear some of that conversation right now. All right, 
right, Larry Kruger and Ryan Smith, welcome back to the Tales from the Bay podcast. In this segment, we're talking with Nicholas McGee, a contributor to uh, the Gridiron, and has written an incredible piece on Talanoa Hufanga, who has been one of the revelations for the 49ers in the early season. Hufanga had another pick last week against the Chiefs. Uh, he's been dinged up physically, and it's not been a perfect season for Talanoa, but a lot of big plays. And so we'll talk a little bit about uh, that with Nicholas. Nicholas, good to see you. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Happy to be here, Larry. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Uh, I'm from Leeds, um, and I've been covering NFL for about 10 years on and off full time. Um, got into the NFL in about 2005, so just after Alex Smith was drafted. So a really, really fun time to get to start following the 49ers just as they were on their downturn, their extended downturn for a bit. Um, so, were you, sorry, were you were you immediately a 49ers fan or were you NFL at large? No, so I had about 50 pounds left after my birthday and there's a shopping shopping mall in Leeds that's still going called the White Rose Centre. And at the time it had an, like, an American sports store and I was in there and my dad said about just a decent amount of birthday money left and we were browsing them and they had all these jerseys and then they picked up a Jets one, like quite like the color of the Jets. Thank God for that one. My dad was like, "This one's really nice," and it was a red. It was a red one. It was Julius Julian Peterson jersey. So I nice. bought. I, he convinced me to buy Julian Peterson jersey. And obviously, a couple of seasons later, get straight to the Seahawks. Um, yeah, so I bought that jersey and then logged on to the old 49ers forum on the east side. On the official side, you used to have the message board. Um, and I logged onto there and just met loads of friends on there and just watched it. When it wasn't wasn't a great deal of coverage back then. It was kind of one game a week in, on Sky Sports over here. And the Fortnite were that bad; they were really they were really the game of the week. But I would just would track them however I could, and as it got bigger over here, I just continued to stick with it and been to San Francisco for games and just just love it. Now, Julian Peterson, fifty five, fifty six. I think it was ninety eight. It was ninety eight. Okay, okay, ninety eight, ninety eight. Wow, Julian Peterson was a fantastic linebacker out of Michigan State. 49ers took him in the first round of the NFL draft, I believe, either right before or right after the Raiders took Sebastian Janikowski. I can remember that draft like it was yesterday. So you've been a Niner person all the way through, and now you wrote a, an interesting piece on Talanoa Hafanga. And Hafanga's been interesting because he has made some big plays and has looked phenomenal uh, playing in the box, in the cover three, especially against the run, snuffing it out. Um, and then he's also made plays in coverage. He's very uh, Johnny on the spot. And and yet there's a downside to his game because he has missed an awful lot of tackles over the last mm. couple of weeks as well. What it was like uh, when you did your deep dive on Hafanga? What did you what did you uh, find out? Well, first of all, it's insanely fun. I mean, he's a, he's kind of like the the boom bust defender, but the booms are so high that it's, it's so enjoyable enjoyable to watch. And it's obviously he had the dings on him coming out of college. What he couldn't stay healthy at USC and he didn't test that very well but he makes up for that with his awareness he's so aware particularly I've been really impressed by how aware he is in coverage he reads things so quickly and obviously we all see he has that downhill burst to get there and make those plays but you do have the busts as well I've seen it a couple of like particularly on Sunday against the Chiefs so the missed tackles and obviously the, the style that he plays with lends itself to him potentially getting hurt so I'm getting concussed against the Falcons as well so he's kind of that player that you live with it. You accept the lows because the highs can be so high. And I think as he gets more experience, he'll hopefully learn to kind of temper. He'll learn how to to not have as many missed tackles. He'll, the the awareness and kind of the cerebral nature will will even grow even higher as he gets more experience as a starter. You know, I got to give Larry some credit because he was hot on T Hufanga in uh, training camp and especially in mini camp when I wasn't there. He was hot on Hufanga, and I was kind of like. Eh, he doesn't seem like he's fast enough. And Larry's like, no, 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 no. It's his processing speed is so fast in such an improvement that he's playing faster. And then that's when we talked to Jimmy Ward about him. That's exactly what he said. It's all tape study. And what I think is kind of funny, and I would be interested to hear uh, your thoughts on this. It's kind of stupid, but considering you were, you were, uh, you know, watching him on film. So I like a lot of Niners fans, slash people that cover them play a lot of Madden and I like to play as my Niners. Hufanga was unplayable in Madden because he was not only was he like a 69 overall, <laughs> but based on his stuff, 
he was like a 76 speed. So you can't have that back there in oh, safety. No, 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 no. I thought it was interesting that Madden, it seems like almost to cut, they couldn't quite figure out how to make yeah. him the player that he is now. So they just gave him 90 speed. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be some kind of middle ground there, like an 80, yeah. 83 <laughs> speed, but given his awareness should be in the 90s and he kind of balanced the two out. That's definitely how I would play it. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a very special player. And it's funny, we did an interview with Jimmy Ward earlier this year. And Jimmy is such a cerebral player. Um, and, and it's funny, I asked him, I'm like, what is it about um, Talanoa that allows him to play fast? You know, I think he ran 4.6 or 4.65 or 4.76. Yeah, he said closer or, to 4.7 yeah. when we were I talking. Mean, it, was, it, was, it was just really, really bad. Um but and and then there was some question could he cover deep down the field and he said you know the thing with Hafanga is it's such a read and react position that he says he reads it correctly and then there's zero hesitation in his play and that's what you see when you turn on the film there's zero hesitation he plays with tremendous confidence and hopefully he can stay healthy because he's such a key key member of this defense and i, I it's almost like he's He's a great player going forward, and now as a blitzer, he reads it. He sees it ahead of time. He does film study. He's in his playbook. Uh, he knows his tendencies, uh, and he, when he sees it, he's not afraid to let it go and to just take off. And then in coverage, he's showing such awareness that it's like he's getting a head start, and it's compensating for whatever lack of speed he may have. Yeah, he's he's – when he's at his best, he seems like he's a step ahead. The, the blitzing is a really good point. He times those, those blitzes so well. Like he was the Perfect, game. Yeah. He, was, he, was in, he was in the backfield before the ball even snapped. So it's when he's on, he's incredible to watch. Yeah, hey, uh, Larry, no question. What do, you, what do you think about this? Uh, since you know we've only got Nicholas for 15 minutes, I, I was thinking I'd love to hear his thoughts on just the Niners as a whole. So maybe why don't we go position group by position group and uh, let, let's let's hear uh, Nicholas's thoughts. Is, is let's that do good? it. So let's say let's start with the secondary. Uh, what are your thoughts on the secondary? Obviously, it's a little different than when you know they're all fully healthy. But well, what are you thinking of the position group or the secondary now and going forward? Much better than I expected it to be. Uh, well, the, the addition of, of Tavarius Ward, he's a little bit injured and didn't have his best game. He, I, th- I think he was still hurt on Sunday against against the Chiefs. I don't think that deep completion to Valdez Gannon would have happened otherwise. Uh, he seemed very flat-footed. Um, but obviously he's had a massive impact. It's Mosley has, has been a he had that injury really, really hurt him. You can see that they're still kind of figuring things out the other cornerback spot. I think if Barrett can stay healthy and who knows, that's a that's a complete lottery, then that will still be a, a solid group with him. Lenore's played pretty well in the slot. I think he was probably their best corner on Sunday. To be honest, he, when he was tested, he came out okay. Nobody played particularly well, but he was all right. Um and yeah, the safeties have been the safety's been a surprise. <laughs> like I I was like you, Ryan. I, I I didn't see it last year with Fafanga. I was like, oh, you're letting Tart go. I get it. Like, he had the drop pick, and you don't want to give him that much money. And obviously, Philly the same thing. They let Tart go, but I was still fit. Are we, are we sure we're going to do this and straighten the role with Jimmy Ward? And Jimmy Ward gets hurt, so you're even more reticent about it. But Gibson's played really well. Um, they've, had, they've had more back there as well. Now they're getting Jimmy Ward back. So they've got some depth there, and hopefully once everybody is healthy, that can, again, be a strength of the team, as it was prior to the rash of injuries. Let's move to the linebacking core. It's a fast linebacking core. Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner, Aziz Al-Shair, Demetrius Flanagan-Foles. They've got some younger players behind them. Oren Burks has played some significant snaps when they're forced to play the base D. What do you think of the linebacking core? It wasn't a great performance from the linebacking core in this game against Kansas City. Yeah, uh, but prior to the last two weeks, I'd have been super high on the linebacking core as everyone was, but they've kind of had the worst games in back-to-back, particularly this last one. They were not great at all. Um, yeah, I think there's a case of Fred Warner trying to, trying to overcompensate a little bit. I think he's just trying to do too much. I think he's – they're at their best when he, he is just shows – he has tremendous eye discipline. Like, he reads the game so, so well when he's at his best and he gets to the perfect depth in these zone coverages that he runs can run with players down the field in Tampa too. He's the reason why their defense can be so precise when they play this zone coverage so well. And it just seems like everything's kind of gone away from that. They've been spooked by what Atlanta did to them with the zone read and Mariota. And then they, the motion last week against the Chiefs with Hardman, I think they were just they were just trying to do too much. It just, it just kind of it freaked them out a little bit. And I think this weekend might be better because they're playing a team. Okay, the Rams can put Cooper Cook in motion. Sean McVay can do some creative things. 
but they know what they're going to get from the Rams. This defense knows what they're going to get from the Rams. They know what to expect. They've played them so often. They've beaten them so often. I think this weekend might be just a settle down game for the defense after two weeks where they've, but particularly the linebacker where they've been really spooked. The D-line group is an interesting group. We uh, talked to quite a few of them today. and it, It's interesting because they don't have Javon Kinlaw. They don't have Eric Armstead, and they may not get Kinlaw back. And Armstead's thing is a is a plantar fasciitis, and that, that's a degenerative-type situation. It may not get better until the offseason. So suddenly this team that at one point was so incredibly loaded at defensive tackle is now relatively thin, but they have compensated with playing – this four man or this four D end alignment uh, in obvious passing downs with a and Drake Jackson lined up inside. And we were talking to Drake today about how, how incredibly powerful he was at, at uh, you know, taking on the, the, the combo block and really splitting it and holding his own and not just getting waltzed into the backfield or waltzed, waltzed uh, down the field by the O lineman. So give me, give me your thought on the D line. It's a, it is Bosa and um, an awful lot of talent. There's an awful lot of talent on that on that front. Yeah, it's kind of telling that this earlier this week I was looking at the 2023 free agency class for defensive tackles and getting very excited by seeing Javon Hargrave and Deron uh, Payne at Washington both as restricted free agents. I was like, can they make that work next year with the uh, salary cap that they've got left? Um, I think that's kind of indicative of where they are in defensive tackle because who knows when Kinlaw's going to be back. And they, they really, really, really need Eric Armstead back to, to help them against the run. He's been such a big miss for them there. Um, but the rest of it is encouraging. Like Bosa's Nick Bosa, he's playing his seven sacks already. He's been phenomenal. Um, Drake, I've been really impressed with Jake Jackson. I think he's developing really quickly. He's really adapting to the pros in a very quick way. And he's showing what he can be like when he's used properly. I don't think he was used properly at USC at all. And he's he's really thriving, I think. And same for Amanda, who kind of that inside-outside role, he plays that really well. And I watched the tape of, of Sunday, and I didn't come away too disheartened by the D-line. Um, they obviously didn't get too much pressure, but Mahomes is getting that thing out so quickly as well. He, you know, he's, his mind is working on another level in that game. I think that was part of the reason they think that that much pressure in. So they've got they've got to find some solution inside, but the edge group is again looking pretty promising. All right, let's flip it to the uh, the offense. Uh, offensive line. This is in. I want to hear what you have to say because I think all all of us coming into the year, it was like, all right, well, they got Big Trent back healthy. You know, McGlinchey is what McGlinchey is. It's just what's going to happen to that interior. And all of a sudden, it's like Aaron Banks is the highest graded uh, player on the Niners this past week. We caught up with him today. Uh, you know, Burford's kind of a freak, freak of nature athlete. Brendel's, you know, penalties, but still, he's he's serviceable. And it's it's almost like you know, McGlinchey's getting beat. So yeah, let's let's hear your thoughts on the offensive line. Yeah, the pressure's coming from the tackles, and that's because I don't think either of them were particularly healthy. Uh, Trent was, was better. I, I, I'm not sure about McGlinchey's health in the slightest. I don't know what's going on there. It just doesn't look right to me. Um, he gets he gets a bit unfairly dinged, in my opinion, because everybody on Twitter brings up a few bad reps. Where most, that's the problem with playing offensive line. You have a few yeah, bad plays. You're the second play person. Sorry, you're the second person that said that to us this week. Or just <laughs> the day, is that he gets a little unfairly dinged because it seems yeah. like the biggest spots he he tends yeah. to give that, it up. And that was the Niners' problem on Sunday is that in the biggest spots, they just completely forgot how to execute when they were moving the ball pretty well otherwise. Um, so, yeah, I think once the tackles, once Trent gets healthy, healthier, it will be a lot better. I've, I've been really impressed with the interior, to be honest. Um, Aaron Banks is his highest graded because he's playing phenomenally well. Um He's excellent in pass protection. I think he could be better when he gets to the second level when they run those zone runs and run blocking. Could be better in making them stick. Um, but in pass protection, he's been an absolute rock. Uh, Brendel's been okay. I think he, he was fine on 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 Sunday. Um, I just really want them to stop this rotation between Burford and Brunskill at right guard because I think they should just play play uh, play Spencer Burford. I don't think playing Brunskill is gaining anything. I think Burford's doing fine for a rookie. And then he can only benefit from the experience. So I think you just need to settle down and pick a, pick a right guard and stick with it. And hopefully, with health, it all comes together. How about how about the receivers? I mean, they they have big name receivers. Debo Samuel. Uh, we've seen Brandon Ayuk start to come on the last couple of weeks. Uh, Jawan Jennings. They have the burner Danny Gray, but he's a rookie. They have Ray Ray McLeod. It was McLeod who I thought had that really poor effort on the interception ball that Garoppolo threw. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it, you, the first job is to catch the ball. The second job is to prevent the interception. His effort on both counts was just deplorable. 
terrible. Um, and and yet the stat, the, the pick goes with Jimmy. But um, it's a talented receiving crew. Um, and yet, y'all, it feels like they're not getting the most out of these guys. Give me your perspective on the receivers and what we've seen. No, I would agree with that. Um, they're definitely not getting the most out of them. I think the obvious one is Devo. I don't think they've quite harnessed him because it's consistently did last year. And that's difficult to do. Like, he was, like, last year was probably an aberration in just how impactful and just how much he carried that team. Um, but I would hope with the addition of McCaffrey that they find some more creative ways to get Debo, uh, get Debo the ball by using them in the same kind of formation. You'll see, probably see them both in the backfield at times and just getting them in the same, in the, on the same formation at the same time will have an impact in getting him the ball more often. I think Ayuk's been great. Um, he had the completions that were the two touchdowns against Atlanta and then the deep one called back by a penalty, which was really frustrating. But he, he's continually getting open and making plays. And I think he's up just getting better every week. And Shanahan I think, agrees with that. He keeps saying he's had the best offseason. He's playing really well. Um, a little bit underwhelmed by Jennings. As he, needs, he needs to grab the drops. <laughs> there seems to be a lot of drops for John Jennings this, year, this season. And yeah, I agree with you on McLeod. Uh, I keep having this conversation with people in, in text groups and stuff. Why is Danny Gray not playing? And I can only assume it's a Kyle Shanahan in practice thing. I know, I think Gray was ill the Atlanta game, but if you don't practice, then Shanahan's not going to play you. But he said after the draft, when they picked him in the third round, that they liked his speed and toughness. So you would think in the situation you're referring to as the inception, that that toughness may have become more apparent because McLeod didn't certainly show it. And obviously he made the play for the first touchdown. But I would probably like to see a little bit more Danny Gray if he's more involved in practice in the coming weeks. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree wholeheartedly with that. And then, you know, the running back uh, position is an interesting spot as well. Um, they added Christian McCaffrey in the trade. Uh, Jeff Wilson has had a couple weeks in a row where he's sprung big runs. Um, but, you know, as far and then Ty Davis Price is there. He's got a lot of speed. Heck, he may have the most talent of the backs that were existing, but he was hadn't really gotten into a rhythm. Jordan Mason has been given one carry. He's taken it for seven yards and never to be seen from again so obviously they feel like there's some crudeness or rawness in his game where they don't trust him to take the field at this point but um what do you think of the running back group they they they, they had tevin coleman he had a significant role in atlanta and then they waived him then today they signed him back to the practice squad so they also have him kind of uh, stashed away if there is an injury at this spot what's your thoughts on the running backs yeah, the uh, the Tevin Coleman practice squad move was the most inevitable thing. You could, you could see that coming a mile away. Uh, that was always going to happen. Um, yeah, it's kind of a wait and see thing to see what to do with McCaffrey because he's obviously it's his backfield now, effectively, until, uh, until it becomes more of a work, kind of a, a shared work on Eliza Mitchell. And we'll see how that breaks out when he's healthy. Um, so, yeah, it's just that's just really exciting to see how you have to, in the back. They've, they've got decent backs, but none that have got that such a complete skill set. And you saw that on Sunday. The burst, the vision, the elusiveness, even on 10 touches was all there. And you can see the running game hasn't quite gotten going. I don't think they've had the runner that's kind of hitting the holes or seeing the holes in the way that Shanahan really wants them to. And that's why McCaffrey is there um, to hit those holes and do it with burst and explosiveness and add that, that diversity in the receiving game as well. Um, I think um, Ty David Price will eventually come good and give him that kind of red zone hammer. But again, it was the carries he had on Sunday as well. He was kind of missing cutback lanes and things. So it, he would hope he kind of might learn from having somebody like Christian McCaffrey in there. Um, and pretty, yeah, pretty impressed with, with Jeff Wilson. I think that's a decent one-two punch, and we'll see how it works out when uh, when Mitchell comes into, into the team again. And then uh, let's go tight ends, and let's just throw Juice in there, because why not? I mean, basically, he's a fullback slash tight end, and as we're going to see this weekend, Dwelly or Werner are going to play fullback. So uh, what do you think about that position so far? A bit up and down. Uh, Kittle probably his best two games, but I still think there was a couple of disappointing players against the Chiefs. He had the drop, and I think a few of his routes weren't as crisp as you would normally expect from George Kittle, so I think he's still kind of working his way back to what he was before. Um, quite disappointed with the backup tight ends, um, particularly the Charlie, Charlie one. I thought he had to play quite well towards the end of last season, um, but he's, that's not really kind of come on. Um, obviously, a big drop in Atlanta. As well, he's kind of been a non-factor. Tyler Cross has been injured, which I think is quite disappointing. I think he would have been he would have been on the end of that, that pass in, in Atlanta if he was healthy at the time, I think. I think that's why the reason he was on the roster, but obviously he's had that lingering 
uh, knee problem and uh, juice is juice. I mean, you want a picture that sums up Kyle Juszczyk, is that one you put on Instagram of him just protecting the ball with a finger that's pointing the wrong way? Um, <laughs> he will he'll definitely be a miss on Sunday with how versatile he is, but hopefully they can compensate for that. Joelle's done that role before. I mean, he, it was 2019 when he, Juice was hurt for a little bit. And yeah, Joelle Philly played at least one game and he did, did it successfully. I think they won that game. So hopefully he can at least fill the void to a satisfactory amount. I'll tell you the underrated injury this year for the 49ers that nobody's talking about because they weren't really banking on him, but he looked phenomenal before he went down was Jordan Matthews, the converted wide receiver. He was trying to convert to tight end last year, but he hadn't really effectively put on the weight. This year, he had actually done the weight room work. He had put on the weight. He showed up about 238 pounds, 240 in that range. Perfect. He looked incredible in the mini camp. I mean, he was making plays down the field and he was looking like he was going to be a another movement tight end and a pl- big playmaker, a guy that they could utilize and, you know, had the injury done for the year. And it's just, too, it's a shame because he hasn't busted out in his career. And also that was a player, you know, this position, I agree with you. I've, I've not been that impressed with the tight ends behind George. What would you say is your biggest concern? Are you more concerned about the 49er defense that couldn't stay within a country mile of these Kansas City receivers and had the softest coverage I've seen in maybe all year from a contending team? Uh, They looked just not championship caliber in that game defensively. They just didn't. The coverage was so soft. Is that the primary concern or is the primary concern that this offense, you know, Jimmy keeps making the crushing mistake and despite all these weapons Kyle Shanahan's second half off point production is pathetic and are you can are you more concerned about Kyle and, and Jimmy and this offense or the injuries that have mounted on this defense and, and how poor the coverage was and maybe make that a two-parter uh, as your uh, last question because we of course have uh, have to get to the inevitable Jimmy Garoppolo sure yeah that is a really really good question um <laughs> I can't answer both. Um, I think I would probably lean the offense, which seems an incredible thing to say with Kyle Shanahan um, as your coordinator, uh, play caller, sorry. Um, but I think the defense has shown us who they are last season and this season. And I would tend to think, unless they, unless it continues against the Rams, that the past two weeks have just been an aberration that came with. Atlanta had a really good game plan. Um, they made a few more plays on third down when it mattered. And they were kind of tied off at East Coast trip and very, very banged up. And then they had the players that might have still been nursing those lingering injuries come back a bit too soon for a Chiefs team that was just was coming off that loss against Buffalo where they were obviously very annoyed about that and was just on another level on offense. As much as you could criticize the defense, which was a bad performance, the Chiefs are excellent on Sunday. So I tend to think that's, that's a two-game aberration if they obviously lose heavily or get a lot of points against the Rams. I start to get very, very worried. Um, yeah, I just I want the offense to show me who they are. Like it doesn't seem to be any kind of identity at the minute. Like they can move the ball, but the the identity is lacking. And again, that might be the reason why they they brought in Christian McCaffrey because they want to run the ball and they haven't been doing it really as efficiently as they might like. But if he stays healthy, he's a player that can give them that. So if they get that identity, then we might be rolling down the stretch as we did last year. Uh, I think that that's that's the kind of thing that worries me at the minute is the offense just hasn't shown who they are for a consistent game. Maybe with the exception of the Carolina game. All and and as far as Jimmy overall, as Ryan asked you, we were kind of going position by position before I jumped the line there. Uh, what, what's your thought on Garoppolo overall, or if you want to say the quarterback position and throw Trey and what we saw this week from Purdy as well? Go ahead. Yeah, the Trey, the Trey finger. So why can't we have nice things? Like everybody, everybody was so excited to see what he could do with this, <laughs> this quarterback who fits where the game has gone. And like, you know, obviously, it's like I ask him to be Mahomes or Josh Allen, but at least somebody in that kind of mold, you get to see how this, like, even if the season wouldn't wasn't successful, seeing how he would develop was what kind of what he was meant to be all about. And now you're back to square one. And I think Jimmy is more often than not, he's played quite well. Like he's, he's, I think he's generally played quite well it's just those crushing mistakes like I was you're tearing your hair out on, on Sunday like you just take the sack or, or find somewhere to throw it but not there like, you know, you said, he doesn't feel comfortable it. throwing it away does he he doesn't throw it away no, nearly I, as much as he should no I've, I've written this um recently yeah he he will there was another one in the on the opposite end of um 
I think before the kittle touchdown, and he just gunned it into a crowd, right? When he just should have just thrown it away. And it's like, what are you doing? Because like nine times out of ten, he makes the right call. That's why Shanahan has liked him so much. He's good. He runs the offense officially, and most of the time, he makes the right call. It's that one instance where he doesn't, and he just say, yeah, "You're right." He's averse to throwing it away. I don't understand why. Um, yeah, and Purdy uh, looks looks okay apart from the pick. I uh, thought there was a nice throw to McLeod at the end. There, I think he he's got a future as a backup, um, definitely. Uh, so we'll probably align to Purdy next year, but we're just gonna have to live the Jimmy roller coaster. Um, this season and hope be as more highs and lows. You know what's so funny is, uh, uh, sorry, Larry. Uh, just I, you know, I, I, Nicholas, I, I've heard amazing things about your writing. I haven't, I don't know, didn't know your opinion on Jimmy. And just since you're, you know, a lifelong 49er guy, it's almost like politics where I'm like, kind of didn't want to give my indication either way if I'm a Jimmy guy or not a Jimmy guy, because that's how crazy this fan base and the media is. It's like some people just think you're crazy if you think Jimmy is anything, you know, better than the 40th best quarterback in the league. And then some people, you know, think Jimmy, you know, all he does, Jimmy, Jimmy's wins. I'm more of a Jimmy guy, honestly, than I think a lot of people out there, but uh, yeah, I thought that was a very reasonable summary. They could do a hell of a lot worse. Like yeah. could be in a hell of a lot worse position. He's, he will win them games again this season, but he just, he is what he is at this point. Nicholas, let me finish. Let me follow up. Cause I think in some ways this could be the ultimate question. We, okay. So the offense, you know, we know, we understand what's going on with the defense. I agree with you. Um, it's an incredibly talented defense that's now a little worn down because of injuries and there's it's they're trying to put in new guys and be effective and so there's going to be a little less effectiveness and they may need a few more bodies and maybe the trade deadline maybe they can trade for a Deron Payne or a William Jackson from the commanders or do something on defense to adding maybe a corner or a tackle up front and who knows maybe John Lynch is a trade in them to me the problems on defense are more about players and getting healthy and they got a number of guys coming back they hope so there's reason to believe there's help there but on the offensive side what do you think is going to get this offense going they've got McCaffrey they've got Kittle Ayuk Debo Trent Williams um, a number of players they like uh, you know a veteran quarterback that's been in the system Kyle Shanahan what is going to un, you know unlock this offense what is, should the offensive game plan be against the Rams would you like to see them go back to a year ago that first game in week 10 where they pounded the Rams they ran right through them 18 play drive and a bunch of runs and just run it, run it, run it again? Or do you, I was suggesting to Ryan earlier this week that I think it might be time to go empty backfield, spread everybody out, five wide, four wide, five wide, get everybody out in the pattern and let Jimmy get into a passing rhythm short. Now that you got McCaffrey and Debo and all these weapons and then run reverses and all kinds of orbit motions off of that, but get into your empty set, four wide, wide five wide and start chucking it around what's the best game plan going forward what's going to get this offense you know in some kind of rhythm because they're out of rhythm yeah i don't think you'll see the full McCaffrey experience until after the bye but i think i lean towards what you were saying um there larry is i i agree i agree with you i think you've got to just try and throw the Debo McCaffrey, if Debo is healthy and has got a lingering hamstring injury kind of experience at the Rams and use uh, the key point where you're hitting there is emotion, which they use so much anyway. But the impact of having Debo and McCaffrey is say the, Ram, the Rams' reactions to Debo emotion all the time was it brings Jalen Ramsey in the box to get to defend against him. Then you can send McCaffrey out into, into, into the formation as a receiver and then you've got a mismatch there. So I think they've got to use that. That would be my takeaway because I think the Rams are going to expect them to run the ball. They're going to expect to be hammered. They, they've we saw that in the NFC Championship game. The, the the Rams really dialed down, stopping the Niners were in the ball. So I think that's probably what they'll look to do in this in this game in Week Eight. And I think you go, you kind of throw the next move at them, put McCaffrey out there in the formation as much as, much as you can, throw Debo in motion, just mess around with the kind of the the box count and the number count in the Rams defense and get them in those mismatches. That's I think how they win this game on Sunday. Should be fun to watch. Fast surface. The 49ers are a fast team. The Rams are a desperate team. The Rams have the extra rest time. The Niners coming off a physical game against a tough Chiefs team. This is going to be a pivotal one going into the bye for sure. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I know Nicholas, you gotta, gotta get running. Uh, last thing before we officially sign off, uh, give, give us a score prediction. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm going to go with, a, I'm still going to go with the Niners. I don't think of a particular high scoring, but give me like 23, 17 San Francisco. And we get, we get back on track for the bye. Well, Nicholas, we're really eager to uh, to read this, your stuff on the 49ers. I loved hearing your breakdown. You're dialed in on this on this club from the other side of the pond, and we're really impressed. So thanks for joining us, and we look forward to talking with you multiple times between now and the end of the year. No problem. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Thank you. Welcome back to the Tales from the Bay podcast, Larry Kruger and Ryan Smith with you. Now we've looked back at Kansas City. Now let's look ahead to Sunday against the Rams at SoFi Stadium. The 49ers going back to Southern California, the site of last year's NFC Championship game, a game that the 49ers would like to forget and the Rams, I'm sure, would like to uh, see a repeat performance of. And this year's Rams team has not been as good. The Niners took care of them in a very one-sided affair at Levi's a few weeks back and the Rams um, Rye have been a one dimensional offensive team. They rank 31st in the NFL in rushing offense entering week seven. Uh, it's an offensive line that finished last year, seventh in the league. They now rank 29th in the league on the offensive line. Um, and Matthew Stafford is struggling. He's throwing a lot of picks. No one in the NFL has more interceptions entering this weekend than Matthew Stafford, who's thrown eight interceptions second year in a row that he's led all quarterbacks in that category. Also, you mix in the fact that the Rams are among the league leaders in both giveaways and sacks allowed. And they came into week seven, ranked 25th in points per game. So this is not the same Rams team that won the Super Bowl, uh, but will it be the same Rams team that the 49ers beat in Santa Clara? That's the question. Yeah, I mean, uh, Look, it's always scary when you're you're facing a team off a bye, similar to the Kansas City game where it was a bummer that they lost that Sunday night game to the Bills. You know the Rams are going to come in motivated, but guess what? The Niners are coming in equally motivated because, you know, they just got embarrassed. And now it's it's uh, like we caught up with uh, the great Jordan Elliott earlier this week on uh, the YouTube channel. He was saying, you know, it's just every time the Niners seem like they're stumbling, the Rams end up on their schedule and they're just like that comfort food for them. So it's hard to pick against the Niners in this matchup. It's just especially this year with the fact that the, they can't get the run game going. Something weird's going on with Akers. Um, and yeah, I mean, Cooper Cup, it's, it's Stafford's favorite little toy. What, he had 16 catches last game and it still didn't matter. It's interesting they're getting Van Jefferson back and Robert Woods is getting going a little bit. But ultimately, I, I got to think that D'Amico Ryans gets the boys fired up and that they get ready to tee off on Stafford once again this week. Yeah, Van Jefferson is back and Cup is hot. And, you know, this is a team that still hasn't figured out Allen Robinson, how to how to get him going. Higby's a hell of a tight end. To me, it's really going to be about the 49er defensive line that does not have Eric Armstead or Javon Kinlaw. Um, you know, Nick Bosa's status, we don't know. Now, Samson Ebukam's dinged up. The 49ers roll in with a much more depleted defensive line. They're leaning heavily on Hassan Ridgeway and, 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 uh, um, you know, Kevin Givens inside and can they take advantage of that Ram offensive line that has struggled? Now the Rams are getting some, some guys back in their offensive line. You mentioned the return of Van Jefferson. Uh, this can be a tough game. This can be a tough football game. The Rams don't have much of a run game and there'll be a team to watch. I believe at the trade deadline, do they pull the trigger in a trade that either helps their pass rush? There's a lot of talk that they want Brian Burns out of Carolina. There's also a lot of talk that they may make a, uh, you know, send a, a day three pick to the Cleveland Browns for Kareem Hunt. And Kareem Hunt is a terrific running back. And if they wind up with Kareem Hunt, that could that could help the Rams significantly as well. Um, but I think the key to this game, like anything, is going to be make the Rams one-dimensional, take away that run, put some heat on Stafford, and hope that he throws you a couple interceptions. And, and that's kind of been his M.O., um, I think it's also going to be interesting to see how do the 49ers attack offensively in this game? Do they come out in a run heavy scheme and try to run through the Rams like they did in week 10 last year where they came out and were just made it a referendum on toughness or do they, you know, do they spread it out? 
and throw it all over the place and try to get Jimmy into a short path passing rhythm. Uh, now that he's got, you know, you know, first of all, what's the status of Debo Samuel? Is he going to go? Um, but now that they have Christian McCaffrey, will they use McCaffrey on that fast surface as a receiver out of the backfield and maybe get him isolated on a Ram linebacker or safety and really, you know, make a you know, big play or two against, against, um, you know, a Ram defender isolated in space and pass coverage. So I think it's going to be very, to me, the, the biggest, most interesting part of this game is what kind of offensive game plan do the 49ers have? I look at this game, Ryan, as I think this is the game where the 49ers have to get real about their defense being depleted. And when I say that, what I mean by it is I think it's really time for them to start prioritizing playing more complimentary football. And that means, you know, that means whether it's run or pass a heavy ball control game that, you know, that's predicated on having success on third down, but keeping your offense on the field, keeping that Rams offense on the sideline, and more importantly, protecting your defense from extra snaps. The last couple of weeks, they've lost the time of possession battle. To me, that is the key stat going into this Ram game. The 49ers not just, don't just need to win at the line of scrimmage. They need to win that time of possession on offense and protect their defense from taking a 65, 70, or 80 snap deal. Yeah, absolutely. And they just they just can't let this game get away from them. They have to keep it close. Uh, I, I love the idea that you're preaching, Larry. I think it is time for some complimentary football. Look, they know Jimmy, Jimmy can't turn the ball over this game. He just can't. And so Kyle has to not put him in situations like, you know, where he's humming it up to Ray Ray McLeod in the end zone. They got to come up with some safer options. Uh, I, I'm really hoping to see some more explosive plays. Hopefully McCaffrey, I mean, such a smart kid. Hopefully, what well, I'm saying, kid, he's my age. Uh, hopefully McCaffrey, uh, is, <clears throat> they have something drawn up for him. I, I really hope he like breaks one, you know, whether it's in the run or the pass game. But it's difficult also with no juice. I mean, juice makes it all run, go and Dwelly can step in and Warner can step in for a bit. But that's a little concerning on the run game angle. But yeah, I think it's just all about complimentary football. Try and turn Stafford over. If they can get a lead and kind of get some confidence back in this defense to feel like they can kind of tee off on Stafford and they don't have to worry about really controlling and really ultimately winning the game for this team. I'll tell you the other factor in this game I think is really important. The 49ers are getting better uh, better pass protection and offensive line play inside than I think they expected to when the season started. But contrarily, they're getting worse pass protection uh, overall from their tackle spots. Uh, Mike McGlinchey is a hardworking guy, but he's dinged up at this point. Trent Williams has, has shown some regression this year. He's a little long in the tooth. Uh, he might be a little bit out of rhythm. And the Rams have Leonard Floyd coming off the edge, and they've got Aaron Donald, who they will sometimes line up on the edge they did in that first matchup to try to take advantage of McGlinchey and um, that to me is the key because it's a fast surface you got a really good Ram defensive line and a line that dominated this 49er front in the playoff game last year and you don't want to get Jimmy G knocked out and this is the kind of game where if you give Leonard Floyd or Aaron Donald or Sean Robinson or one of these guys a, a free run at your quarterback on this surface uh, that could be that could that could spell lights out for Jimmy. So to me, pass protection, getting the ball out of Jimmy's hands. Don't throw it deep. Throw it short. Make sure you negate their rush by getting the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible. And, you know, here's the other thing. And it sounds so obvious, but it's really not for Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo has to understand that you cannot make every play and you need to throw it away from time to time. And I think if there's one negative that's pretty consistent through uh, Garoppolo's tenure here with Kyle Shanahan is his desire to make every play, which is a is noble. Uh, but at the same time, negative plays get you beat in the NFL. Negative plays are sacks 
and turnovers. And you cannot make hugely negative plays and win NFL games. Minimizing their negative plays by throwing a few balls away, throwing a few balls into the turf, that is far better than taking a a painful sack or floating a pass in the middle of the field and having it become a turnover. He's got to learn that there's – maybe three, maybe four, maybe five times a game where the defense is going to beat you. You're going to be in the wrong call. You're not going to be able to audible out of it. They're just going to beat you and you have to throw it away and go to the next play. Jimmy's a veteran, but he's never really mastered what Brady's mastered, what Rogers has mastered, what Mahomes has mastered, which is when you don't have it, when it's not your play, when it's going to be a huge negative play that's going to reverse the momentum in the game, throw it away and go to the next play. And it sounds simple enough, but Jimmy has struggled with this, Ryan, time and time again. He takes sacks when he could throw it away. He for, he he floats bad, bad balls in, into a crowd in the middle of the field when he should throw it away. And it's as simple as, throw two or three more passes away and and you know and don't try to make every single play and turn you know and it's one thing to make a play but you really want to avoid negative plays and negative plays are sacks and or turnovers and um so we'll see we'll see that's really his bugaboo can he avoid the hugely negative play you're exactly right larry you know what sometimes you have to focus on not not losing before you focus on winning. I think that's the mindset going into this game. And with that, uh, that's this week's episode of Tales from the Bay. And I got to say, this is the first episode that's going out on its own feed. Uh, it's no longer on the Gridiron feed. You can now find it on the Tales from the Bay podcast feed. You can search for that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Tales from the Bay. Please subscribe. Leave five stars. Comment. You, if you comment, wrote... I. I you can you can leave a five star review and you can roast the hell out of us, but just leave a five star <laughs> review. That's all we're asking for. That's all we're asking for. Tales from the Bay, as as Ryan said, check Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, good stuff, Ryan. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Go 49ers. Hopefully they get a win in Los Angeles. And then it is on to the bye week in the second half of the football season. Should be good. Go Niners.